Welcome to Sparrow Speaks, the podcast with the latest health news and information from Sparrow, MidMichigan's premier community healthcare leader. I'm your host, Deborah Howell, and today we'll be learning about the signs and symptoms of sports-related concussion and the treatments and prevention of this injury. Our guest is Dr. Nathan Fitton, team physician with Michigan State University Athletics and Associate Chief Medical Information Officer with MSU Healthcare. Welcome, Dr. Fitton. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Awesome to have you. What is the definition of a concussion? Concussion is a form of traumatic brain injury, and it results either from a direct or indirect blow to the head that causes some alteration of neurologic function. That can be headaches, confusion, blurred vision, dizziness, just to name a few things. And importantly, it can't be diagnosed with any imaging tests or blood tests. It's felt that uh, the concussion is really related to more chemical alterations in the cells of the brain rather than true physical damage. Hence why static imaging such as CT scans, which are great for finding evidence of brain bleeds, but don't rule in or rule out concussions. They're only diagnosed following a clinical examination. Oh, so interesting. So what should I look out for in a concussed athlete? We get this question a lot, and one of the things that we try and reiterate to all providers and parents and coaches is that first and foremost, when something happens out on the field, the impact doesn't tell the story. It could be a very violent impact or a more benign appearing one, but the diagnosis cannot be made based on just how things played out on the field. Rather, we are certainly perked in our interest towards a potentially concussed athlete if there is more of a significant collision. But many times we'll have an athlete that might come to us on the sideline and say, I just don't feel right. And in hindsight, there really wasn't any major uh, impact or blow to the head. And that just really plays to the challenges that is diagnosing concussion is that we haven't really found a cause and effect with the, the violence of the impact. But along the lines of what to look for, This is really evaluation becomes so important. When I'm on the sidelines taking care of the athletes here at Michigan State University and and an impact happens or a blow to the head or someone falls to the ground, initially what I really look for is, are they exhibiting any unusual behavior? Are they looking disoriented? Do they walk to the wrong side of the court or the field? If they're definitely appearing out of it, then that's absolutely someone we want to get over to the sideline and further evaluate. Now, if somebody has an impact, they pop right up, everything looks normal, and there's not as much concern, then the game continues. But really, the important part is any concern at all warrants immediate removal from play pending evaluation. And so on the high school level or even lower, if you have an athlete that sustains a big hit or just anything that anybody's concerned about, doesn't matter what they look like, pull them off, evaluate them. You'll you'll never go wrong taking some time to evaluate someone in more detail. And what they may complain of if they come to you is, like I mentioned before, headache, dizziness, fogginess. We frequently see mood changes. They may become quite irritable or upset. Repetitive questioning is quite common as well. And so those are some of the things that you're going to look for right away in an athlete that tells you, hold on here, this person may have sustained a concussion and we really need to take a closer look. What is repetitive questioning like? We've seen it from time and time again where Athletes may ask, what's the score? How did I get here? What was the last play? And you'll tell them. And then within a few seconds, they may ask it again, may ask it again. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things that we will see that are indicative of us that they may look normal because that's the other challenge with concussion. When you see someone with a a broken leg or a broken arm, certainly there's uh, gross deformities when you look at the joint. 
But with concussion, they may look totally normal. They're standing there, you know, really looking like any other day. But some of those behaviors uh, cognitively with repetitive question or confusion is quite um, telling that this was a concussion indeed. Got it. Now, you've given us some of them, but what are some dangerous or red flag signs and symptoms of concussion? This is another really, really important topic because when we know that there's been a traumatic brain injury, such as concussion, Sometimes that's the extent of the event and the injury, but other times we see where they've got additional things going on. And then the big things we really worry about are the brain bleeds or a fracture in the neck. And so things that really tell us that something more severe is going on, we call them red flag symptoms. And what we would expect is profound confusion. So after a couple of minutes, the athlete is not coming around at all, and, and they're very confused, very disoriented, not able to be reoriented back to time and place. Any occurrence of vomiting is very concerning. Neck pain in the middle of their neck, as well as numbness and tingling into their fingers and toes. Certainly, the, quote, worst headache of their life is also very concerning. And we really also tell trainers and parents that the evaluation for concussion shouldn't be a one-time thing. It's constantly checking in with the athlete while they're under your observation because one of the more concerning things is an acute deterioration where all of a sudden the athlete is unable to be aroused or they were coherent and, and understood things and then all of a sudden they've got slurred speech and they're very confused or disoriented. Mm-hmm. Those are definitely the red flags where we say, okay, this is much more than, I don't want to say just a concussion because it's never just a concussion in terms of the severity, but it's more than a concussion and we need to evaluate further. And lastly, I always tell people that uh, parents' intuition trumps everything. If you're concerned, go get the kid checked out because a lot of times there's so many community events and there may be a coach that's had some training and we, we really appreciate everyone's ability to, to get additional information towards concussion. But if there's any concern, just take the kid in to get further evaluation and kind of put your mind at ease that nothing significant or severe is going on. So that I would say parents' intuition trumps everything. Yeah, and you'll never regret you know having it checked out. How long before my athlete can return to school and to sports after a concussion? So we really take this as a two-pronged approach. We talk about mental return to activity, be it school, and then the physical return to activity. Now, the old way we treated concussion is told patients or students to go into a dark room, don't come out till you're feeling better or till you can pay rent at 18. But we know that's not the best indication for how we want to treat this. But on the same token, we don't want to just send them right back and pretend like nothing happened. We have really consensus guidelines that we want about 24 hours of rest. So just let the uh, student athlete take some time for about a day. But then after a day, we really want to start ramping things up. And the current approach that we're recommending is what we call sub-symptom threshold activity. So this is where that dichotomy comes with school and sports. And so the ultimate approach is we want the student uh, to be able to do what they can do without making symptoms substantially worse. So we know that the brain loves blood flow. The brain loves interaction. The world we live in is so socially ingrained We've discovered that having kids isolate and stay home is actually more detrimental to their mental health during all of this because they feel like they're missing out and they're, they feel like things, you know, FOMO, right? Fear of missing right. out. That's what the kids are afraid of. So we want to keep them as engaged as we can. So 
I tell parents after 24 hours, it's okay for some social media. It's okay to go to school. It's okay to get engaged, go to practice, really with that caveat of making sure it doesn't make symptoms worse. And that's from an academic side of things and an athletic side of things. It's really the same approach, about 24 hours of rest, but then after that, in a safe, controlled setting, it's okay for some light activity, going for a walk, going outside, things like that. Now, the biggest rule of all of this is we can't put them at risk to hit their head again. That's the biggest concern because we know if you get struck in the head again during healing, you end up with something potentially catastrophic called second impact syndrome, which is still controversial, but nonetheless, it's something we want to be very careful of. And what that looks like is when there's another blow to the head during the healing process, it results in worsening symptoms, prolonging symptoms and things like that. So it hinders the healing process. So the caveat of we want them to be active and engaged is that they can't be at any risk to hit their head under any circumstance. Okay, so maybe no log rolling or rollerblading uh, the day. <laughs> yes, yeah. I tell them now's not the time to take up boxing or bull riding as a sport. <laughs> okay. Dr. Fitton, what are some of the available treatments for this injury? Really, it's, it's quite tremendous at this point in time. As we begin to unwrap concussion management, concussion treatment, it's, it's come so much more than just rest and things will get better. We know that the vast majority of people will do quite well with supervised progression back to activity, but there's a substantial cohort that struggles with symptoms. And with that, we know that treating concussion, you really have to look at where their struggles are. We have available therapies such as speech therapy. That helps students with memory, recall, thought organization, because sometimes that mental fog is a challenge. We have physical therapy to help with balance challenges or A lot of times they have musculoskeletal neck pain and things like that that we need help rehabbing back from. And then occupational therapy. Holy cow, this has become a a major paramount of treatment for concussions. Occupational therapy has within it vision therapy. And we know that a substantial amount of individuals with persistent symptoms after concussion are struggling with visual imbalances that leads to dizziness, headaches, and things like that. So really it needs to be a multifactorial approach looking at the various aspects of where the challenges are. Now, some, some student athletes only struggle with one and you, could, you get them into that therapy. But the key is that they, you get them to an appropriate provider like we have here at the Sparrow Concussion Clinic with individuals that are well-versed in treating these because it is a very dynamic and fluid situation where you need to have the appropriate tools to help get these student athletes back on the field and back in school through the various modalities of the different types of therapies. And then we also call upon other specialists, neurologists to help us with headache management from time to time, Mm -hmm. osteopathic manipulative medicine, which is a hands-on therapy. We use that because we know that there's some deformities within the alignment of the neck and the skull that can occur after a concussion. And we use their skill set to help rebalance the system and the body there as well. So it's a very vast and wide array of treatment options that we have. And so really that's where it becomes important that you want to make sure that a provider that has experience is able to manage the case. Speaking of treating, before that comes prevention. Can you tell us a little bit about prevention? Prevention is definitely the the moving target that we're all trying to get ahead of here and see. There's initial thought was, can we redesign the helmet to be more protective? When we talk about football, we talk about rugby or soccer. Is there a device or something that can help and prevent concussions? And unfortunately, research has not 
provided us any great guidance on preventions of concussions with protective gear. You may see some different things out there advertised, but unfortunately, we know that those devices may reduce force, but we know that force isn't a direct correlation to concussions. So I caution patients in spending a lot of money on these head wraps and soccer or the various different types of helmets because unfortunately the science just does not support purchasing those for protection against concussion. There's even some thought that if you have a student athlete that wears something like that, does that give them an extra sense of being more cavalier with their activities and actually puts mm-hmm. them at increased risk? And so there's definitely a lot of discussion around that. But really the best prevention that we have started to find is education and teaching. Education on the front of the athlete with form, technique, and playing with your body under control is quite important, as well as educating coaches and staff on what to look out for. There's, you know, many division one universities all the way down to peewee football that are practicing with less contact and really only getting the basics and fundamentals down pat, but not doing again and again, trauma time and time again. And so I think that there's been a paradigm shift in the contact sports to say, look, you don't need to do this a thousand times a day. Let's get the foundations. Let's provide great educations to help these athletes understand how to tackle, how to hit, how to use their body in space in any sport. Well, that's logic being applied. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Dr. Fitton, we so appreciate your time with us today. It's fascinating. I could go on forever, but we are at the end of our time. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity to share some of this great information to kind of continue the conversation on this very dynamic topic. Absolutely. And to learn more about sports-related concussion, please visit sparrow.org slash sportsmedicine. And be sure to subscribe to Sparrow Speaks in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts for our additional healthcare topics. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Thanks for listening, and have yourself a great day.